Hey everybody, there are a ton of ways that you can follow us online. We've got our website, realnerdspodcast.com, that you can go to and you can read articles and find the podcast episodes there as well. If you like social media, you can follow us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or on Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us anytime and leave a voicemail at 720-6-NERDS-5 and then we'll play your voicemail on the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you like us. Hey, this is Adventure Lounge. My name's Jagger. And I'm Zach. And we're on Real Nerds. Come check out the awesome crossover episode. This is Real Nerds Podcast, officially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2021 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is Brad, Zach, and Corinne, and we're coming to you via Zoom again. Um, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Pretty okay. Yeah. Um, just working and then coming to here. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about what everybody's doing. Yep. I got to push carts into the store and clean them. It was fun. I got a workout in. <laughs> nice. Yeah, can't go wrong there. How about you, Ryan? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, it's been a great couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the spotlight's uh, been on you more than it ever has. It's been fantastic. Um Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. Uh, this week, we saw Just Mercy, which um, you can also see for free uh, on Amazon and uh, what other streaming platforms is it on? Does anybody else know? Um, Netflix, I think. All, it's all in the other major ones, but it's being provided for free by Amazon and Warner Brothers in conjunction with the, um, uh, the efforts for education. Oh, very cool. I, yeah. I, I got HBO Max. I haven't had a chance to really like dig into it, so I don't know if it's on there or not. But yeah, Well, I, th- that's how I know you haven't had a chance to dig into it, because you haven't texted me with your review of Looney Tunes yet, <laughs> and I'm waiting for it every well, day. I, I did watch the, the first episode, and uh, the uh, Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam arm wrestling was pretty great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like, I... Um, so my HBO actually is paid for by my um, in-laws because mm-hmm. they wanted to get it to watch Game of Thrones, but they had they have a Dish Network, and I guess for a long time Dish had a quarrel with HBO, so they couldn't watch Game of Thrones. So then I just ordered it for them on my Amazon uh, channel list, and you know, I mean, I, I don't care about paying for it; it's whatever. But my mother-in-law insisted giving me a check for $250. And I told her, I said, it's only $14 a month. So you're giving me an extra $100? And she said, well, you can use it for something nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, to make... I mean, don't pass over free money, right? Oh, no, I never do. And here's the thing is my mother-in-law... <laughs> yeah, if she, is if a... she's handing out checks, drop my name too. I will. I'd be like, Brad could really use it. Uh, no, my mother-in-law is a nurse practitioner and she does very well. And she's very generous and a very nice lady. And That's cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, they go to, well, usually they go to Hawaii every year, except this year they couldn't because of Corona. Mm. And we'll watch their dog for seven days. And she'll give us a check for like 400 bucks. I'm like, 
for your dog to lay in my house because it's a fat, lazy ass dog. Okay. So Ryan, if, yeah. if she next time she asks you to watch it for seven days, if she hands you $400 and a videotape run, because if you watch <laughs> that videotape, see, it was a reference. <laughs> you should tell her no. to stop. You should tell her to stop practicing and go pro. <laughs> um, the, it's funny because I, I asked, I, you know, I was talking to my wife about this. I said, I'm, I don't know why your mom like gave us a check for this much. And she said, well, the only thing harder than accepting money from my mom is giving it back to her. So, um, you know, she's always been a nice lady like that. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully when I get her age, I can do that with Kellen where it's, you know, not really asking for the help, but you give it to him and, you know, throw everyone a bone. Yeah. And she's really the only person who still gets me birthday gifts. That includes my wife. Your so, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, was she going to listen to this? She doesn't even support me on this. Why would I? <laughs> Wait, does your mother-in-law listen to this? No, no, she doesn't know how to use her iPhone properly. I don't think she knows what a podcast is. But see, that's this is the one week she'll learn how to do it, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. And I'll I'll tell her that she's a wonderful lady, and I appreciate all the help that she gives us because <laughs> she she uh, helps us out with Kellen, and yeah, um, she's a very nice woman. That's what grandparents do. That's what my folks do. Yep. That, you know, I, I've learned that. You know, grandparents um, are very generous to their grandkids. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So, that's yeah, anyways. So, but I was already subscribed to HBO, but you, you can't – I couldn't use HBO to get HBO Max. It's weird. So, uh-huh. I just dropped HBO and picked up HBO Max. Because I think they're still trying to connect it. I think the reason we got it was because my I, I'm also a recipient of a parent, parental end on this, but my my dad had um, HBO Go already. So I yeah, HBO, HBO Go they they 86 HBO Go I think this week. So I think that's why that we had access to it immediately or something like yeah. Because could... I mean it's confusing because HBO Go is basically the same thing. Yeah, but at any rate. Um, I'm happy I've got it because it's got plenty of stuff on there that obviously I'm, I like, I'm, I'm diving right in there. So nice. Yeah. So yeah. So we also talk about movie news, uh, Blu-rays that are coming out and movies we've been watching, mm-hmm. but you know what? Making its triumphant return. I thought it was two weeks ago, but at this time it's for real. Making its triumphant return is Brad around town. Hey film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Brad? Oh, yeah. The drive-in's open for the season. No yes. one-offs. Full schedule, Monday through Monday. Uh, right now, they're doing Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Fantasy Island. So, so something for the kids, and when they fall asleep, something for the parents. Really, you could just leave after uh, Welcome to the Jungle, even if you're a parent. Because um, <laughs> I saw <laughs> Fantasy Island. Was Fantasy Island even for the adults when it was a show in the eighties, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what's it most known for? Having a little person say "da plane." Well, that and the the <laughs> silver fox known as Ricardo Montalban. But, yeah, you know, Ricardo Ricardo Montalban's chest. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Uh, I prefer to remember him as Khan. I, I I'm glad you prefer <laughs> to remember him that way. <laughs> Uh, he was a solid actor in MGM days too, before um, before the studio system collapsed. And that's good. Yeah. Fuck the studio system. 
<laughs> yeah, so check out the 88 drive-in. Um, <laughs> also, the holiday twin drive-in in Fort Collins I went to for the first time uh, last week, and uh, they're doing a mix of new and old. So, so you're really Brad around state, not just right. around town. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, <laughs> as long as our local theaters are going to be closed, this is what you got to do. You're going. Uh, I'm hoping you're that there's a sign of change a coming. Yeah, we'll probably talk about it in news. Yeah, Brad, I have to say that whenever you whenever you say the phrase "the '88 drive-in," you say it so fast, it sounds like you're saying "the idiot drive-in." Well, <laughs> it's because I go there, so. Clearly. Um, did you know that Brad designed the T-shirt, the winning T-shirt design for the 88 Theater? Yeah, I'm guessing they're not going to print it because they lost a ton of revenue by not opening until June. So but you still won, and that's all that matters. Yeah, hopefully someday they print it, and I get yeah. to hopefully they give them in for free. Well, you know, when they show Inception on its 10th anniversary, then maybe they'll make enough money for that. Yeah, there you go. That's actually a good segue. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, holiday. Because... Oh. Sorry, Brad, go ahead. The Holiday Twin has two screens, so uh, they're able to show four movies, and on one of them is Jumanji and Men in Black, hmm. and the second one is Minion, Minions in Jurassic World. Wait, oh. which Men in Black? The original. The only good one. Oh, oh good. So one side you got Sony, the other side you got Universal. Yep. That's one nice. way to describe it. <laughs> no, it's um, it's nice. I mean, it, it, I, I've been, you know, because you can't escape the news about COVID and stuff. Um, the good news is, is Colorado is declining big time in COVID. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, we were able to go to, Kellen and I went to uh, Barnes and Noble today and um, he went to a bookstore and bought a stuffed animal. So, you know, we all win. That's good. Aww. What kind of stuffed animal did he get? Uh, he got an acorn that had a little deer in it. I don't know. <laughs> what? Hey, wait! Deers are born, yeah, into it, born as acorns first. That, yeah. Okay, I, I, I learned biology wrong. I, I mean, shit, that's like a step below Kinder eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's really appropriate it's because to out of it. <laughs> today the lieutenant and I had to put down a deer, so you know, we take one life away and. Another one's born in a stuffed animal. <laughs> Did it get hit by a truck? Yeah, I was. I felt really bad for this deer. It was this uh, female deer. And someone called in and said it was hurt. So we went out there and it's like back right leg. The bone was sticking out of it and it couldn't even really put any weight on it. And it was trying to get away and oh, it was horrible. Mm. Yep. When I drove to Michigan and back a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm not exaggerating. I think every mile there was a, like a splattered raccoon Aww. on the side of the road. So, yep. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of dead rabbits around my uh, neighborhood, but that's just because they've been, they've been around that area for years. So, um, Yeah, I mean, obviously there's thousands and probably millions of deers, mm-hmm. but still it's like, oh, I have to go kill something. Yeah. <laughs> Because oh, it was bad. It was like trying. It was so scared. It was trying to run away, and its like right leg was going, and it couldn't like jump up anything to get away. I felt really bad for it. And if there's a deer hospital, it could actually like get the care it would need. But because <laughs> yeah. it's a deer, people are like, "Fuck <laughs> yeah. it, kill it." Yep, pretty much. Because I mean, 
I, and it was running around in the neighborhood. I mean, I was trying to get it where it wasn't in the neighborhood. I said, well, if it runs up the side of the mountain, maybe a fox or a coyote will get it. <laughs> because, but it, then it just like collapsed and yeah, that might be in the blotter next week, Corinne. <laughs> oh, fun. I love talking about animals getting killed. Yeah, it's, you know, just cheer that, that thing up. Yep. That was my day today. Anybody uh-huh. else? Yeah. Like I said, I pushed carts, so it seems like you had the worst day. And then we found a dude with a bunch of uh, drugs in his car, and I had to do an inventory on his car, and he also had a penis pump. So, you know, you laugh at that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you you were gloves on the job, right? Yeah. Well, dude, I... <laughs> so it wasn't even my stop. Actually, today I was on the highway because we have construction going on, so we have, um, like, traffic safety duty and we just go out there and make sure pe- when people are speed we stop them inside them and i got called out because they needed uh backup <laughs> and i go there and i'm pretty sure the lady with him was turning tricks for drugs because she said she just knew him today and the dude had oh it's bad and then uh i don't know if you've ever seen basketball when I was like doing inventory in the back and I found the penis pump, I was like, Oh, 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 <laughs> it's just, yeah. Fat suction down on my Marlon Brando's ass. <laughs> yeah. I, I, kept on looking. I was uh, going through town the other day and like somebody behind me was speeding. I'm like driving right there past the police station. I'm like, come on, man, where's Ryan at? And I see yeah. your truck right there in front of the police station. I'm like, damn it. Ryan's not on patrol. Ryan's no, on the side of the highway. He's not going to catch this person. Probably doing. Was I at the police department? Because I I had like ten reports in two days. It was awful. Yeah, you were out. Yeah. the truck was out front. Yeah, I. Yeah, it was awful this week, like nonstop. But hey, Idaho Springs is busy. Um, the restaurants are letting uh, the city closed our main street, and the restaurants have tables out in front. And uh, yesterday when I was working, every single table had someone on it. So good, getting there, getting there slowly but surely, because I, I heard that movie theaters might open. I'm tired of bringing this down with my sad, depressing job. Um, yeah, movie news. It's real news. You are right, Ryan. It looks like movie theaters are looking to reopen. Um, I'll start with AMC is planning to reopen in July following a $2.2 billion quarterly loss amid the coronavirus closures. <laughs> so they need to get back into operation. Um, Regal is, from what I've read, they haven't said anything definite other than Wonder Woman's opening up in October for them. So if they open sooner than that, I haven't heard anything yet. I thought I got pushed back to November. Yeah, October. On my Regal app, I know that there are some movies that are slated to come out in July that are on the app. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm guessing in the next week or so we'll probably get some news, like more definite, concrete, like not just plans. Because in addition to that, um, uh, Hollywood Productions uh, in California have uh, sent their plans for resuming production uh, amid COVID nineteen, as it is still an existing thing. So we'll probably learn of more productions ramping up their um, shooting again. So Yeah, I mean, they're already starting to shoot in New Zealand and things like that. So And I think Britain is starting again mm-hmm. on Jurassic 
World 3 soon. Um, that's what I read earlier today. But Dinosaurs um, are awesome, Corinne. Whatever. <laughs> um, but looking on my Regal app, it says that the first movie that's going to be released, um, at least that's listed on here, is Unhinged on July 10th. Ah, uh, okay. That's right. I forgot about Unhinged. That yeah, so Unhinged is supposed to be July 1st. Yeah. But I think um, because Tenet moved to the 31st, mm-hmm. I think they're uh, doing Inception and Unhinged is on July 10th, if I remember correctly. Yeah, exactly. And because Tenet has moved two weeks, Warner Brothers is putting out the 10th anniversary uh, rescreening of Inception into theaters to kick out their uh, – movie go their their uh post coronavirus slate um so july 17th you will be able to see inception in theaters once again so, and i also uh read that they're going to include footage from dune wonder woman and other new movies as a way to you know get you to go back so if you see inception they'll have uh not trailers but like uh scenes from those movies yeah. To say, hey, this stuff's coming out. Um, and a lot of people were bummed that Wonder Woman moved, but it had to if Tenant's going to move to the 31st. There's no way Warner Brothers is going to put Tenant out on the 31st and then have another tent pole two weeks later. Am you, I see so... what happen- you see what happens when these big studio releases come next to each other? They eat each other. Yeah, and, but... and Mulan is still scheduled for the 24th, so. Yeah. Am yeah, I the Disney? Am I the one who thinks it's weird that we only got one Wonder Woman trailer? I mean, it was supposed to come out a month ago, which means, you know, they were done with making trailers for it, and they only ever made one in the entire run leading up to it. I I think this whole thing just shook Hollywood, and they didn't know what to do, and they don't want to spend money promoting movies when they can't release them. Because that, cause that's just wasting money on top of them already losing money. Yeah, and that's why I think Tenant finally put out a trailer, another trailer last week. Right, but even by March, though, there wasn't like a you know, alternate Wonder Woman trailer, you know? Yeah. Like, there usually is by then. Just they wondering if they're, like, been, hiding something. They might the have movie. been planning to release something around the April or, like, the late March area before everything hit. Yeah, and, you know, it, I think the most depressing thing, too, is when you go to, the, like, King Supers, like I did yesterday, and you see SpongeBob in theaters May 22nd, and all this tie-in movie stuff. Doritos is, has all the Wonder Woman stuff on it. You go, yeah, no. this so, pandemic well, sucks. Actually, it proved beneficial to me, Ryan. So those those cookies that I like getting, the Pillsbury like place and bake ones, mm-hmm. they had the Minion ones, and nobody was buying them because one, nobody was going to the stores. But I would go to Safeway on after I got off a shift at work, and I would go in and I stocked up on those cookies because no one was taking advantage of that sweet movie nice. tie-in. Actually, oh, I got I- a sweet deal at King Supers, and I don't like we don't keep a lot of treats in our house. Um, mm-hmm because my wife is weird and whatever. Um, but I was at King Supers and for 25 cents, the hostess like star spangled like cupcakes were 25 cents a box. A box? Yeah. So, I mean, I only got two of them. They had like five, but if I show up with five of those boxes, I probably would not be on this podcast. I'd be at my dad's house or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. My, my wife's cool. I was just, but like she said, why did you get two boxes of fudge dipped star spangled cupcakes? Uh, they're twenty five cents for ten of them. That's two cents a fucking cupcake. That, that, is that your redemption tour from spending over a hundred at the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, dude, I did awesome this last time. I only spent I spent eighty eight, but I had a ten dollar off coupon, so I only spent seventy eight. 
And I got uh, four days worth of dinners, um, milk, soda water, you know, tore it up. Plus my cupcakes. You you walked out of the grocery store singing Gangster's Paradise. (laughs) You know it. Or the Rod Stewart equivalent. Yes, yes, exactly. I forgot. We got uh, Forever Young. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Wouldn't make sense. Um, But in conjunction with the tenant thing, uh, with the delay, um, uh, they... um, uh, Warner uh, basically said that te- Nolan wanted it to press ahead, and Nolan, uh, but they're basically trying to keep that release going in, some, like even if it's two weeks to please Nolan. So, you know, which is good because they should try to keep Nolan as the years go on because he's proving to be a, a filmmaker who can get the job done. Well, that too, and like he's I said, I mean, the cases are going up, but that's because testing's available. But I've been reading online and um, the hospitalizations, except for in Arizona and like two other states are all going down. And that's the most important part is you don't want to overwhelm the healthcare system. So like the Surgeon General said, people think wearing a mask is taking away a freedom. No, it's giving you more freedoms. Yep. Go out, just wear a mask. Who cares? Wear a mask. I, I work in a place where I would prefer you to not cough on me while I'm trying to do my job. Please wear a mask. Not all heroes wear capes. They wear masks. That's yeah. right. Also, it fucks up with the facial recognition software, so take that, big brother. Yeah, I know. My my iPhone is, like, on the fritz when I wear it. I loved Corinne saying, take that, big brother. (laughs) Come on, we we need to hold off 1984 from happening as long as possible, okay? Yes, exactly. We don't want George Orwell to be correct. No, we don't. Good, good. Um, But uh, moving on to that, though... um, as release dates are still kind of shuffling around, um, No Time to Die, uh, it would look like it's um, getting bumped up to the tw- to, so it's got the 20th of November set up for US release. And it looks like Bill and Ted Face the Music is moving up a little bit to uh, the vacated Wonder Woman 1984 slot. So, um, so yeah, some things are kind of shifting around to maybe get there sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Speaking of that title that I just mentioned, we got a trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music, and uh, it's a nice tease. I'll leave yeah. it at that. I, I, I was like, what the fuck is this? It like doesn't show you anything. It looks like they're really bored so, <laughs> in the trailer. So the only thing that I was perplexed by, but I'm sure it'll make sense for what they're doing for the movie, is the final scene where they're at, they see Buff Ted and Buff Bill. Uh, in the prison um because like keanu reeves looks fit like looks like he could feasibly be that buff alex winter looks a little absurd (laughs) but i'm not gonna judge it because those are two lovable characters that have entertained me for years and i will be glad to see them return and save the world here's the thing is i you know it's sometimes it's fun just to watch silly movies and i'm down with seeing the wild stallions in action again Oh yeah, well they've got to they've got to they still got to write that song. <laughs> maybe because the first one was like time uh, time travel, the second one was hell. Maybe this one is like alternate dimensions. No, that actually is a great theory. Um, I love the part in the trailer. We'll say where uh, they're talking to the the basically the the same guardians that they would have been talking to, like Clarence Clemens in the first one, and they're just basically like repeating their same schlocky line, and it's just having no effect on the these guardians of the universe. So. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited. I cannot wait for August. Um, uh, moving on to, um, another, uh, 
I guess I guess this trailer already came out, but we got an update for its release. Uh, Tom Hanks's new movie Greyhound, which he wrote, uh, World War II drama, uh, has been picked up from Sony by Apple TV and will be released July 10th, 2020 on Apple TV. I guess I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I'm going to try Apple TV because I want to see this movie. Um, it's It looks like it has the same visual effects range of that Midway movie that Roland Emmerich did. But I like Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. So can, is there a free trial for Apple TV? I mean, I, I have an Apple account and stuff. I don't I mean, know. I'd I, sign up to watch the movie because it's the first movie Tom Hanks is. He's directing it, right? No, he just wrote it. The director mm-hmm. is... Um, I can't remember his name. But it's not Tom Hanks. No, oh, um, man. I wanted to see him be more than just an O'Neater It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's Mr. Fred Rogers is the director of the movie. He came back from the dead to direct a World War II movie of all things. It's thanks, actually. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Oh yeah, because he does T- that. Yeah. T Hanks. Yeah, T Hanks. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you want to see Greyhound, that'll be your chance. Um, and then a, a little Oscars update: the Oscars telecast and ceremony has been moved to April twenty sixth of twenty twenty one which will make this the latest date in Oscar history. So, um, And within that, the Academy has changed its rules to allow streaming films. They have to prove intent to have had a theatrical distribution set up within 60 days of them dropping onto VOD. So it's basically their way of appeasing the situation until theaters are back up in operation. And they're let, the cutoff is in February and not in December. Yes, exactly. So that means one of the January dumping ground movies could be a best picture winner. We never I'm guessing know. it's going to be the new uh underworld Resident Evil metal horror film. You know, Paul Tom, Paul Paul W.S. Anderson has been ignored far too long by the establishment. That's true. <laughs> if I need a movie about people trapped somewhere that need to get out, he's my guy I'm going to call. Dude, dude, retroactive win for Death Race. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, in other news, uh, Universal is apparently still trying to get the Bride of Frankenstein reboot off the ground. If you'll recall, this was one of many films planned when they were releasing Tom Cruise's The Mummy before that dark universe um, decided to collapse on itself. Um, but it appears that Bill Condon and Javier Bardem are uh, not involved. David Kep is still working on the script, and he's been doing it while in quarantine because he's no longer working on Indiana Jones 5, um, which he did a little small update about why he's not doing that. But, um, but yeah, so I guess they're going to try to do this, even though we just proved earlier this year that the way you reboot these monsters is do what Lee Wannell did, because Invisible Man is wonderful. Um, so yeah. And then the last piece of news I have is for Ryan. Hey, Ryan, do you want a remake of the changeling? Saying no would be irrelevant. So, I mean, if they can, it's, that's my favorite, um, haunted house movie. Cause I'm not a big fan of actually haunted house films. Um, but that one's really good. Yeah. So you're going to look for Corinne. Don't just give me like dirty looks and roll your eyes. What does that mean? 
What do you think it means, Ryan? I don't know. You're the one who rolled your eyes. I can't read your mind. I can just see what you're doing. You're the one who's like, oh, horror is the best genre. Horror is awesome. But actually, I don't like haunted house movies. <laughs> I don't remember ever going, um, you know, horror is the best genre ever of all time. And um, I don't think I've ever said that. In fact, you obviously haven't read my um, Real Nerds bio because then you would know that's uh, not true. No, I actually haven't. I don't yeah. Think. If, Count if, you, it. if you two valley girls will stop it for a second. <laughs> so they're gonna, it's going to come from the director, um, Anders Engstrom, whose credits include episodes of Taboo and Hannah. Um, Perfect. And, uh, it's, Hannah's awesome with Kate Blanchett. Yeah, well, it's, 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 this is the television version of it. Um, so, uh, but it uh, looks like... Uh, Everybody's thrilled to be on board for this project. Uh, there's no really other other updates. If you haven't seen the original Changeling with George C. Scott, I recommend you see it. I know Ryan obviously would already recommend it up in the top. Yeah, of it's half. a great movie. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, and I need to rewatch a lot of George C. Brad, Scott. Brad, are you being haunted right now? I just keep hearing. I do keep hearing voices like upstairs. Um, must yeah. be the TV. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Brad. Cool. <laughs> you don't want to go check that. <laughs> no, I'm, it's it's probably the TV. It's fine. No, just stay down there. And protect your Ninja Turtle stuff. Yes, hey, Brad. Is, is that turtles? <laughs> Brad, is that a pale like William Shatner behind you? A pale William Shatner behind <laughs> you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I gotcha. <laughs> There's nobody back there. Um, uh, but yeah, that's news. Cool. Movies come out on Blu-ray and Ultra HD, and sometimes we get them. DVD releases and Blu-rays. I haven't checked Best Buy in a long time. I just got an email. They opened up their stores today. Nice. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Going inside tomorrow after work. Um, so, um, let's see. You can you get... practice social distancing, assholes. Yeah. Um... Well, anyway, you can get the Paramount Classics re-release of Pretty in Pink. Um, I have that coming, actually. Coming on Blu-ray. There's also a Columbia Classics uh, 4K um, Blu-ray box set coming out. In it, you can get Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Strangelove, Gandhi, A League of Their Own, and Jerry Maguire in a nice big old booklet. Um, that actually looks pretty darn cool. I know it's beautiful. Um, the only one on there that I'm not a fan of, I'm not a big fan of Gandhi. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with a film. It's just really fucking boring. It, I don't disagree with you. Ben Kingsley's great in that movie. Oh yeah. Attenborough yeah. made a great movie. I, I, I cannot tell you the last time I've seen it. <laughs> yep. But it's interesting, uh, but, that was uh, the last two Ultra HDs were voted on by fans. So the fans chose a league of their own and Jerry Maguire, which ah. is interesting uh, catalog titles. Yeah, well, a league of their own, I, I think, hasn't really given been given too much like updated treatment. Neither has Jerry Maguire, has it? Oh, those... no, they have a. I have the remastered Blu-ray. I guess it's okay. like maybe five years old. Are those Sony I... or? Yeah, Sony Columbia. Yeah, Sony. Oh, They're... so they picked those instead of Last Action Hero. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bullshit. People are morons. We shouldn't. Have, we should have rigged the voting, Ryan. <laughs> You had me at Last Action Hero. Wait, well, that is... to clarify, is Last Action Hero on Blu-ray at all? Yes, but the transfer is horrible. 
Yeah. So you're just wanting it on like 4K Ultra HD or whatever. Yeah, we want it remastered. We want some commentary. You know, they can use Brad and mine commentary for it. Uh, a making of and um, deleted scenes, maybe Bloopers. a trailer. Bloopers. Outtakes. Yeah. Yep. We want Time the whole. Up. We'll produce it. We want the whole nine yards. Not the movie, the whole nine yards, but the whole nine yeah, yards. movie's all right. Yeah, it's fine. But we don't want that movie. We want Last Action Hero. Um, uh, and anyway, Paramount's also putting out a bunch of Steelbook um, uh, 4K releases um, and Blu-ray ones as well. So you can get Braveheart, the 25th anniversary. Um, Has that movie not aged well? I keep on reading that people don't like it anymore, and I haven't seen it in a few years, but I always loved that movie. <laughs> I, I I need to rewatch it. I haven't watched it in forever. Um, I, I'm never really in a mood to. It's not that I don't like the movie. It's kind of like Gladiator, which is also coming out this week, where I just, it, I've seen them so many times that I just don't know what else I'm going to get out of them. Because Blu-ray.com didn't, it was talking about how shitty Braveheart is now. Hmm. I think part of that might be because Mel Gibson's in it, and Mel Gibson's like problematic, to say the least. Well... Yeah. Or, I mean, he has the reputation among people. Well, I mean, he got drunk and was racist, so yeah, and, that's his uh, big also, problem because he's a movie, fucking... like three hours long. Yeah, that's awesome. So maybe just people don't have the patience for it anymore. Ah, uh, maybe that might be a problem. Long movies. I mean, the I mean, Endgame is not a game. Problematic actor. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just I, I, I have to revisit one, it. So, but. You know, we can all agree, though, that the best deal book in this whole bunch, um, which is only for Blu-ray, sadly, um, but it's Friday the 13th, the original, with a nice little steel book that it so clearly and, is deserved nope. for you. Yeah, like, this, the steel book looks nice, but I was reading on Ultra. It's not, a steel book. Uh, it's not it's a, steel book? It's a metal pack. If you look at the spine, it's got that split in the middle. No. Oh. But they label it as a, metal, as a steel book for some reason. And it's the same disc they released 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Then never but mind. The, but, but the design is cool. Like the original poster for Friday Thirteenth is awesome. I have a metal pack of True Grit that I like. I know it's not a steel book, but I like it just fine. So I'll uh, definitely um, check it out at some point. Aren't they doing a new like Friday Thirteenth box set? Yes, that is that was revealed by one of the stars of Jason Lives. Um, is that there is one in the works? I don't know when that's coming out now because i remember getting that news before COVID hit yeah so but i want that to still happen because i'm tired of ryan lording his precious box set that he got on time years ago i hate you (laughs) but i'll always say people you know they're complaining that some of the dc movies are coming off hbo max i don't have that problem i want to watch wonder woman oh sweet just put it in no, you know it's funny though. Like the two films that I really need uh, in that collection are Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. I can get those mm. on DVD, yep. and I don't even know if I'd watch Jason Goes to Hell again, like anytime soon. But I just want it, you know. Like just it's a completionist thing. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but um, speaking of completing collections that I still need to do, Universal Horror Collection Volume Five from Shout Factory coming out. Um, We've got titles from 1941 to 1945. You can get The Monster and the Girl, Captive Wild Women, Jungle Woman, and Jungle Captive. Wait, Zach, hold on a second. Because Ryan walked away, so I want to say, Ryan sucks! Fuck him! 
Okay. <laughs> for those of you listening at home uh, in the video chat, Ryan has left the screen for some reason. Yeah, he's, so he, he can't hear any of that. He just ran away. Well, maybe he can, but because he's he a, a reaction, we don't know. He's um, a shit who can't hear anything. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, dickhead. Ryan, if Ryan, if you're here, I'm not making fun of you behind your back because I'm focused on the giant spider invasion Blu-ray from Dark Force Entertainment coming out. It's from 1975. Um, the scream you hear will be your own with the giant spider invasion. I'd rather listen to the spider than Rod Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I will laugh at that one. (laughs) You know, it's a better spider in that movie than (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. Are you okay, Ryan? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Why did you hear me ask, Kellen, don't you love me? Oh, oh, keep Kellen. Oh, no, I didn't. We didn't hear that. I asked him to get me like a, a soda water, and he goes, um, "No, Daddy, you can get it yourself. I don't need to get it for you." It's like, damn, that was cold blooded. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe someone needs to find their own place to live. Yeah. And then Dark Force Entertainment out on the street in Idaho Springs. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Dark Force Entertainment is also putting out. Primal Scream, um, an extraterrestrial source, a deadly cover-up. The future of mankind hangs in the balance. Uh, Ryan, have you ever heard of Primal Scream? Nope. Okay. We may need to get this and this giant spider invasion and see what they're all about. (laughs) Um, I I don't think I'll do it anytime soon, but someday. Uh, Shout Factory is also putting out The Hills Run Red, which I've never seen before, Ryan, but apparently this has a cult following behind it. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, is it is it just like a it's it's not like a Leslie Vernon esque kind of thing, is it? Uh, kind of. I, I haven't seen it in a while, um, but it's definitely a cult slasher film. Yeah, and by that I mean like a, a film that like has a big big build up behind it, but it'll never get a sequel or something like that. So, are you guys laughing at my marionette puppet that my dad made fifty years ago? Um, behind me is that what we were laughing at when I left? That blackface puppet. <laughs> it's not blackface it's an old guy <laughs> my dad made it when he was like 12 <laughs> oh boy his name's Wismo you can read all about him in the Arvada Sentinel from like 1971 or something <laughs> whenever he my dad was 12 <laughs> I actually when saw some ma- <laughs> I actually saw some marionettes like that at the Brass Armadillo last week so really yeah um, and then Warner Archive is putting out Romance on the High Seas with Jack Carson and Doris Day. Um, if you want some Doris Day in your life, check that out. And Jack Carson's pretty fun to watch, too. Um, and then it looks like that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that's Blu-rays, guys. Cool. We watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call What You've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what fucking BBC bullshit have you been watching? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it has been like, what, three weeks, four weeks since I was on an episode with you guys. So if I talked about everything I've been watching, y'all would fall asleep. So I'll try I mean, to brief. We almost did when you were talking about Phantom of the Opera. So go ahead. Oh, shut up. <laughs> that wasn't even like a BBC production either, Ryan. That was like NBC or something. I saw Charles Dance and I thought of you when I was watching Godzilla. 
He's so awesome. That's right. He is in that. Totally wasted in that movie. That movie wasted so many of my favorite actors between him and David Strait there. Fuck Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That movie's fun. That movie's fun. I will agree with Corinne on this. David Strathairn is wasted in nearly every movie he's in, and he doesn't get the justice he deserves except for when George Clooney's directing him. (laughs) Anyway, and Rand. So, um, I will talk about one of the BBC things. I've I fucking knew it. Okay, granted, this was like three weeks ago, but I watched a BBC series called The Durls in Corfu, or just sometimes called The Durls. It's the name Sounds of like a, a family. brand of tea. It's the name of a family. Uh, so, it's based on the memoirs of a guy. Uh, crap, I forgot his name now. See, this is what happens when it's been three weeks since you've seen it. Um, but he, uh, was, he became a, like a famous zoologist, uh, wildlife expert person. And he wrote these stories about his family growing up in Corfu and his oldest brother was a famous novelist who was also featured in the uh, show. So it's just, this is a fun thing about, you know, 1930s Brit- British people moving to this Greek Island and trying to fit in and, all sorts of shenanigans happen. And of course, toward the end of the series, cause it's four seasons and it's like six or eight episodes per season. Um, but at the end of the show, they have to end it because they go back to England because world war two happens. So it gets pretty dark toward the end, but it's still pretty, it's a really good series. I've watched like the whole show in three days. <laughs> So I highly recommend it. It's just got really good production value, and I think the cast is really talented. Uh, Brad, if you remember the guy who plays Mr. Elton in the 2020 Emma movie, mm-hmm. he is he's the guy who plays the oldest son. And the lady who plays the mom, I can't remember her name, but I've seen her in a bunch of other stuff. So this is what happens when you watch, like, a bunch of, like, British and BBC things is you just, like – see the same people over and over again and you're like wait a minute that's that one person from that one thing and then you check their imdb page and you're like i knew it it's almost like they have agents that work really hard to get you know their clients gigs from the same agency well it's more of just if you i swear like britain only has like 50 actors and they all appear in the same things over and over and over again so yeah it's because uh you know that industry likes to work with the same people because they know they're reliable that's fair. But yeah, the Durls in Corfu, really good show. Sounds like an anime title. It's not. Definitely not an anime. It's just live action, sort of a period drama type of day in the life of wacky adventures. The one, the, like I said, the youngest son ends up becoming a famous zoologist later, but they show you like how he basically starts his own zoo and yeah. Lots of crazy stuff. So a couple of other things I've been watching recently. I watched the Artemis Fowl movie when it came out on Friday. Oh. Um, so I remember the Artemis Fowl books being around the house when I was a kid. I thought I watched, or not watched them. I thought I read them, but apparently I didn't because when I watched the movie, I'm like, I don't remember any of this happening at all. Um, and I kept waiting for Bartimaeus to show up. I'm like, where's, where's the djinn? Where's Bartimaeus? Like, I just, you know, when they kept, they keep, oh my gosh, 
80% of the dialogue in the movie is about the Aculos. And I'm like, ooh, is Bartimaeus in the Aculos? And no, it's totally under. So anyway, for those what you just said, Corinne. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for those of you who didn't grow up in the late 90s and early 2000s like I did, there are two different book series. One is Artemis Fowl book series. It's like eight books or something. Maybe I read the first one. I don't even remember. I know my stepbrother did. So that's why I said, like, I remember the books laying around the house, but I don't remember necessarily reading them. But then the other one is the Bartimaeus trilogy, which is also kind of like this teen coming of age story that has magic in it. And Bartimaeus is a djinn and he is like, I don't know, whatever, this super powerful entity. And so I kept waiting for him to pop up in the movie. And it wasn't until after I looked it up, I was like, oh, wait, I got them conflated. This totally unrelated thing. So I was very disappointed in the movie for a lot of reasons. But even on its own merit, it is not a good movie. It is super, like, it is so weirdly paced. I feel like there were scenes missing. There were beats missing in the story. Just, like, things just happen. And you're just like, whoa, that just came out of nowhere. I don't even, like, what was the setup for that? And, like, there may be a couple of interesting visuals, but it's totally not worth sitting through all the bullshit. And I just... Everyone feels underdeveloped and the narrative structure is really weak because it's like this, you know, like it's all supposed to be like this thing that like a story that somebody's telling you while they're being held in prison. And then you find out that it's, it's confusing. So just don't watch it. It's terrible. Kenneth Branagh's Artemis Fowl. No. And I, when I didn't know he did the movie until I, you know, watched the opening credits. I was like, oh, Kenneth Branagh did it. This should be really good. And again, thinking Bartimaeus was going to show up and all this crazy shit was going to happen. And it's like, nope. Be the dumb. I feel like when Kenneth Branagh does commercial, commercial products, more or less, you're you're not going to get a hit out of the park every time. Like I like the first Thor movie, um, just fine. But his Jack Ryan movie, while fine, is not like it's not one I will revisit like anytime soon. So like I don't know. It just feels like unless he's doing Shakespeare or uh, Murder on the Orient Express, like it's not worth me like going to rewatch or Thor. Like I said, so I would agree with that. Although I wouldn't even put Thor in that category. Oh, I, I like the first Thor. I really, I really think he needs to stick to Shakespeare and maybe Murder on the Orient Express is fine. But um, I'd argue the first Thor is Shakespeare. Yeah, there's Shakespearean <laughs> shit in that movie. <laughs> if you go back and you rewatch that now, it's so, I don't know. Fun. It's, nah, I think it's kind of flimsy compared to what we get out of the later films. I had fun with it. Um, I had I have fun with it every time I go back to it. I actually love doing it at fitness cinema. It was just a fun ass time on the treadmill. So, um, but I mean, like, I, it's 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 also like one of the shorter Marvel movies too, and they certainly don't make short Marvel movies anymore. So, um, it's also interesting to to see how different both um, Hemsworth and Hiddleston look in that movie versus how they look later in the Oh movie. yeah, they look they they look like babies by comparison. Like it's 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 miles apart now. And they but honestly I, look kind of ugly. Like not like really ugly, but like 
Compared to what they look like later, they look ugly in that movie. Because they've seen battle. They've seen aliens. They've seen earthlings. They've seen many things on the way to the final battle outside of the Avengers compound that has been exploded. Watch Avengers Endgame in theaters. Maybe again, because they may do that double feature to reopen theaters. If they don't do it, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Do it, Brad. You know that theater we've talked about opening for years. I think it's time. No, I'll do a private screen at the bug. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry Artemis Fowl wasn't up to your expectations. And then of course, it's like after I watch the movie, I see like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 10% from critics and 22% from audiences. Oh. So at least I'm not in the minority that nobody liked this movie. That's tough. Usually audiences are a little more forgiving. I know, right? You know, usually it's like, what, maybe 20% critics and then like 40% audiences? Yeah. But yeah, it was bad. I don't blame anybody. You do not watch Artemis Fowl. It is garbage. Anyway, so after that, I got on a Disney Plus kick and I watched Tuck Everlasting, which that was a, a, like Artemis of Owl. That was a book that I remember reading as a kid or being popular when I was a kid. And Brad, can you make that face again? <laughs> you like looked, you're like... <laughs> I don't know if you're doing it because of the movie or something else. No, I'm actually trying to read up on the history of Artemis Fowl because, you know, it's like apparently this big popular thing that I've never heard of until this movie came out. Yep. I remember seeing it all over the libraries at school and it was, I, I, for whatever reason, I just never picked them up. Yeah, there's like three, six, nine, ten books all from like 2000, like when Harry Potter came out, this was the counter programming for Harry Potter books, I guess. Yeah, like I said, I remember my stepbrother reading them, and I do think it was around that same time that, like, maybe the fifth Harry Potter book was coming out. So, you know, all you got all these, like, preteens who are really into, like, books about magic and, like, teenagers doing magic and stuff. So between, like, Aragon and Artemis Fowl and the Bartimaeus series and, like, all this other stuff, Harry Potter and whatever, there is definitely a lot of, like, teenagers doing magic type books. Yeah, they're even titled like Harry Potter's. It's like Artemis Fowl and the Arctic Incident, Artemis Fowl and the Eternity Code, Artemis Fowl and the Opal Deception. Oh, shit. Opal Deception? (laughs) Uh, Well, Opal is the name of the bad guy in the movie, I guess. Covers a power-hungry, insane pixie, Opal Cowboy's second attempt at world domination. Neat. (laughs) Cowboy uses magic to persuade Giovanni Zito fictional environmentalist <laughs> to send a probe into the ground <laughs> probe a fictional environmentalist <laughs> as opposed to a real one i guess yeah i guess so <laughs> thrusting the fair city to the haven city of haven into human clutches it was a good thing it wasn't like al gore instead right <laughs> anyway so i watched tech everlasting which, as a movie in its own right, is a lot better than Artemis Fowl. I mean, it's cheesy, and it's one of those, like, it has a message type of movies, and it hits you over the head with it a lot. But, I mean, it was a really well-made film, and I was like, holy shit, the people that they got to be in this movie, you know, William Hurt is in it, um, Ben Kingsley's in it, 
there's a bunch of other people you'd probably recognize like, Oh yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Victor Garber's in it. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Wow. It's, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like Disney, they get like all the best actors to be in their live action movies. And sometimes they're amazing and sometimes they're garbage. So talk everlasting better film than Artemis Fowl, but that's not saying much. It's all right. I I enjoyed it, but then again, like I said, I read the book as a kid, and I'm also just more into period dramas to begin with, so. I also watched Sister Act. Uh, It's a great movie. I mean, I've seen it before, obviously, but it's just just a fun movie, and I don't know what there is to say about it other than that. I've seen portions of it, like, on TV through the years. I don't think I've ever watched the whole thing, but it seems like it would be a fun time. On Disney Plus, if you have Disney Plus, my sister gave it is, to us. His sister the- Act Two back in this whatever. Back in the, back in the habit. Because yeah. it's because it's a it's Catholic. There. Yeah, both the Sister Act movies are on Disney Plus. They're fun movies. Yeah. Okay. I was because awesome. I, I watched it with a friend. We did like the kind of live stream while we both watch it, sort of thing. And he had seen the first one, but he hadn't seen the second one. And so he's like, have you seen the second one? What's it like? And I'm like, eh, it's basically the same as the first one. But I think the first one has like more charm to it just because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the premise. More fresh. more fresh. Yeah, the premise is more fresh and, you know, you have the characters and everything. But with the second one, it's like, it's basically the same movie or at least it's feels very similar. So I guess the one thing about the second movie is that it focuses more on the teenagers rather mm-hmm. than the sisters. But just it's just a fun movie. So I agree. What else? Um, so one last thing I'll talk about is I watched um, in keeping with our theme this week. I vis- revisited the Disney original Disney Channel original movie, The Color of Friendship. Hmm. Have any of you seen The Color of Friendship? If I I've never did, heard of it, on Disney Channel, and I don't remember it. Zach, are you in another room? You sound like really far away. I'm right here. Can you hear me okay? Well, he he yeah. is in a different room than you are, Ryan. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm talking about like when he started. This is what I hear, Zach. Oh, it sounds like when Michael Scott is, you know, trying to uh, <laughs> negotiate with Daryl. Yeah. That's what it no, sounded like. I might have just been like, my mouth might have been away from the computer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> so the color of friendship is a Disney Channel original movie from the year 2000, and it is based on um, real events. It's about a white girl from apartheid South Africa doing a foreign exchange program and going to live with a black congressman and his family. And, like, she and the oldest daughter form a friendship, hence the color of friendship. And... I just remember it being like very um, uh, forward and just it's very, very like direct in addressing like the race issues and they, you know, so I just, I just remember like thinking like, oh, this is the movie that's about like racism and race relations and things like that. So I watched it wondering how is this going to hold up 20 years later? 
And honestly, I'm surprised at how well it holds up considering how much has changed in the world and also sadly how much has stayed the same because one of the things that happens in the movie, which again, this is based on real events, is that there is a civil rights leader in South Africa who is brutalized by the police and dies from his injuries and everyone like flips out and protests and you know of course all the white south africans are like oh well he killed himself and all the everyone else in the world is like no it was police brutality like he died because the police killed him and it's just it's like so sad that it's like we're we're still in this situation of you know black people dying unjustly and this racism and and systemic racism and everything. So I have to say though that it's kind of awesome how the movie calls out the racism so bluntly because um, they say multiple times like you racist white South Africans like you think that you're better than the black people and like yeah, just how they treat it is actually really mature, I think, because Mari, the white girl from South Africa, you know, they do call her out for her belief system, but not in a way that it feels like is unjust. You know, they just want her to realize that what she believes is wrong, but they want her, you know, they realize like she's a kid, like she's as much a victim of the system as the black people in her country are. She doesn't necessarily know any better because her country censors so much. So they're just trying to like educate her and bring her around to this idea that black people and white people are equals and there shouldn't be apartheid and all this stuff. So it's again, it's kind of refreshing to see a take where it's not. My opinion is that it's not a white savior movie, which I know that that's like a big thing right now in Hollywood just calling out white savior movies as our movie of the week did, I would argue, which we'll get into later, but um, it's not a white savior movie because it's, it's about a black family teaching a white girl from South Africa, why the systemic racism in her country is wrong. And I think it pulls it off in a way that is approachable for kids and families, and it's like, holy hell, like, they tackled this super complex topic in a way that I think even, like, like I said, like, I watched it as a kid, and I was like, yeah, apartheid, that's bad, racism, that's bad, so, of course, now I have a better understanding of everything, but it's like, damn, Disney Channel original movies, like, they had it, they kind of had it figured out back in the day. It's only 20 years old. It's from 2000. Jeez. Yeah, that's what I said. It's yeah. um, also there's one scene where they uh, it kind of it took me aback because so Mari is teaching Piper um, her friend, the oldest daughter of the black family she's staying with. She's teaching Piper about the terminology that her country uses for people of color. And so she's like, this is the word that means black. This is the word that means like colored person. And so she says the South African equivalent of the N word. And in doing so, she also says the N word itself. 
And I was like, whoa, <laughs> she just said the N word in a Disney Channel original movie. This is crazy. So it's just like they weren't really pulling their punches back then. They called it out. They were like, yeah, you're a bunch of racists over there in South Africa. And they that, even go. <laughs> you going? Sorry, there's a really long, awkward pause there. Well, they even do like the one thing where um, they call Mari out. They're like, "Do you have any black friends?" And Mari's like, "Yeah, I've got one black friend. She's our housekeeper." And they're like, "Really? No, <laughs> she's not your friend. If she wasn't paid, she would not be hanging out with you." So, like I said, it was kind of ahead of its time, and surprisingly holds up really well. If I if I saw it, it, it would have been like once, like because this was around the time I stopped really watching Disney Channel. But I I, I know the name, but yeah. Anyway, it's on Disney Plus. The Color of Friendship. Nice. Zach, what did you watch this week? Um, I watched a bunch. Um, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I got the Showboat uh, Criterion not too long ago. Um, rewatched the movie um, and really dug into the special features on it. And there's actually a lot of great uh, special features uh, that provide context on, on the stuff and detail it, like go down the line with it. But the best special feature is the one that Ryan uh, pointed me to a couple weeks ago, which is Paul Robeson tribute to an artist. And <clears throat> Ryan's already talked about it, but I'll do a brief one. It's a 30 minute, short film that won the Academy Award for documentary short subject back in um, the 70s. And it goes through not just Robeson's life, but also the evolution of Old Man River. And my knowledge of Robeson was very limited. And I've talked with Ryan about this back and forth over the past couple of weeks. Um, But learning more about Robeson, I started crying by the end of this 30 minute short. And it's, it's amazing how, not just the battles he had to put up with, um, which are unfortunately not surprising given the time period that that was going with what he was dealing with, but also by the end of the, like, and Ryan, you've seen it, it, by the end of it, when he's doing that performance of Old Man River to the, I think it's the Australian Union or the Worker Union, whatnot, it's like near the end of his life. And he's just, you can tell that the efforts for him to clear his name have taken a toll on him. Um, in a way that I I was very I, I was very moved by it, um, and it actually compelled me to pick up. Um, Kino Lobor put out a Pioneers of African American Cinema collection. Um, a few of the films feature ropes, and so I'm going to be digging through that over the next couple of weeks. Um, I rewatched I Am Not Your Negro, the documentary from 2016. Um, it's it's still a great film, um, and I, I was not really aware of who James Baldwin was until I saw that documentary two years ago. Um, or two, three years ago. And um, uh, one of my friends actually suggested I pick up one of his books, which is The Fire Next Time. And I've started reading that and it's fantastic. Um, but the documentary is also on Prime for free if you want to check it out. Um, I, um, I, I went through, um, I went to Barnes and Nobles for the first time in months. Um, got to go inside and I picked up the Criterion editions of Do the Right Thing and Bamboozled. And I rewatched Do the Right Thing. Um, uh, I, I want to reassess that film a little bit more, but what I will say is, is that Criterion cleaned that shit up. Like it looks better than I've ever seen it look before. Like just utterly fantastic. The colors are popping out. Like everything's attuned to the exact thing that Ernest Dickerson was trying to photograph with the movie. Um, 
and um, rewatched Malcolm X. Um, that movie's still pretty damn good. Um, rewatched Black Klansman. I still love it. Um, that actually led me kind of a buildup to, I watched the new Netflix movie that Spike Lee put out, The Five Bloods. Um, it's, um, it's not my favorite film of his to come down the pipeline. I really like it, though. Um, if you don't know the story, it's about five Viet- African-American Vietnam vets who returned to Vietnam to reclaim the body of their fallen leader um, in combat, but also to dig up gold that they buried um, uh, that was basically it was gold that was being sent from the U.S. to the South Vietnamese to help fight the war. Um, and they they stole it as reparations and they are back to dig it up. And the film stars Paul, uh, um, Clark Peters, um, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. from The Wire, um, also Clark Peters from The Wire, and Delroy Lindo. Um, and Chadwick Boseman's in it as their squadron leader who they show in flashbacks. Um, and everybody's fucking great in the movie. Um, Delroy Lindo is finally given a chance to have a leading role. And he basically plays Humphrey Bogart in the treasure of the Sierra Madre in this movie. And if, and I, it doesn't surprise me cause that's one of Lee's favorite films, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, I will say, I think it might be a little too long. Um, but I don't, because it's on Netflix, I think I kind of dismiss that as kind of like, well, that's what you get with Netflix. You get longer, longer run times. Um, And uh, as a Vietnam movie, like it touches on Lee's normal issues, but as a Vietnam movie, and I've talked with, with all of you guys on this, especially Ryan about like um, born on the 4th of July, Ryan. Um, It kind of reminds me of that um, because it's talking about, not just not just obviously the issues Lee normally touches on, but also the general fixture of people who were sent off to war and then treated badly when they got back. Um, and it also touches on the Vietnamese perspective, which is something that you don't see in a lot of American films about the Vietnam War. So it's not um, it's not a clean, concise movie because it's tackling a lot of different perspectives. Um, but at the center of it, it is just a treasure hunt movie and it's a really good treasure hunt movie. So if you have the time, I would check it out. Check out the five bloods. I think it was very, very damn good. Um, and then, uh, I rewatched, um, they'll love me when I'm dead, which is the, uh, Orson Welles doc. Cause I just wanted some comfort food and, um, movie's still great. Um, you know, watching people like Frank Marshall and Rich Little and, um, all these people who you'd who would go on to be much bigger figures in the industry end up um, basically we're starting off on Orson Welles's movie that never got finished. And there's also a story within it about the friendship between Wells and Houston. And I found it fascinating how they basically parallel each other in the respect of one made movies about men with ambition that fail. And the other was a man with ambition who failed. Um, so uh, it would be pretty interesting for like a future um, podcast topic. Um, and speaking of podcasts, I rewatched The Wrong Man and I Confess by Hitchcock. Um, but you will get to hear more of that when I do a sh- when I release the Shamley Silhouette episode with Brad as the guest. I got Brad to watch two Hitchcock movies that he otherwise would not have seen. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, and 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 Ryan. They're the ones no one talks about, <laughs> <laughs> including so me on, on the episode. Hitchcock. <laughs> it's it's well, it's like, have you seen the wrong man, Ryan? No. 
with Henry Fonda, you might like it. It's really good. Like it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's basically Hitchcock doing the old, his only based on a true story movie. And at the beginning of the movie, he comes out and says, this story's for fucking real. Like, and then he just disappears. That's his cameo in the movie as an introduction. Um, uh, but yeah, and then um, I rewatched Zodiac, still the third greatest movie ever made for me. Um, and a lot of Hitchcock stuff that I was picking up on. Uh, I, I'm upset to this day that Robert Downey Jr. wasn't nominated for that movie because it really... The, when he says to Mark Ruffalo, hey, Bullet, it's been two years. Are you going to catch this fucker or not? <laughs> it's such a great fucking line <laughs> coming out of Downey Jr.'s mouth. Um, but yeah, that, that movie's great. I need to do a Fincher um, retrospective. And then the last thing I'll talk about is um, a couple weeks ago, I sat down and watched Looney Tunes on HBO Max. And I'm here to tell you guys that they didn't disappoint. They fucking did it. They made the Looney Tunes amazing again. Um, the Looney Tunes cartoons are basically about six to seven minutes um, that are, um, or I guess more like five to six minutes that are basically broken up into 12 minute episodes a piece. So you've got like three different shorts in an episode. And the only thing that took me out of it initially was the voices, but that's because anytime they do new Looney Tunes, I just have to get used to the new voices. Once I got past that, everything was spot on. My favorite of these shorts has to be the three Porky and Daffy ones that I loved are Bubble Dumb, where Daffy eats a piece of street gum and gets stuck to it and hilarity ensues. Um, the other one is where Porky and Daffy, it's a silent cartoon where Porky is fixing a, um, a, a, um, a, a sidewalk with cement and Daffy keeps trying to put his print in there and it's all on one locked off shot and just shows you the madness ensuing in one locked off shot. It's brilliant. Uh, and then there's one that's set in a library. And the plot of this, I think you'll like this a lot, Ryan, when you see it. But I won't spoil the jokes. What I will say is it's about a very big burly man who comes in to read poetry. And he wants silence. And if he doesn't get silence, he's going to get angry. But guess who's also in the library as Porky as administrator to it? Daffy Duck. So you know what's about to happen. Um, and then the Bugs ones are really good too. Um, uh, the, the, there's one where Yosemite Sam is in Russia and he's out to find a new fox skin hat. Instead, he tries to get a rabbit skin hat. So obviously um, uh, Bugs Bunny there. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot more pokey humor at it than I thought there would, which I thought was great because it kind of revels in what the Looney Tunes used to do, which is poking fun at the modern stuff. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of modern day Russian jokes. I'll put it at that. Um, and then Elmer Fudd ones are really good too. Um, the Sylvester and Tweety ones are not my favorite, but they're just as good. So yeah, they did a great job. I cannot wait for the next wave to come out. And uh, that's all I watched this week. I just got 27 text messages. I think uh, T-Mobile's back up and working. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what'd you watch this week? Uh, yeah, I'll save everyone a ton of time and just say that uh, I rewatched Superman and Batman 80, uh, 78 and 89 at the drive-in, and that was a lot of fun. I did not remember that the original Superman actually started with like a black and white zoom in on the comic book opening. Um, I guess I've been watching the intro to the sequel too much. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a charming movie. I, it's 
still frustrating that you know the hero saves the day really by spinning the earth backwards and you know that, that's how he saves lois is a you know he could solve all his problems every time it's just spin the earth backwards in that movie so that's kind of like i don't know lame to me but otherwise yeah it's, it's a charming movie um and of course you know batman 89 is a classic for me so um and i also watched the green hornet from 2011 haven't seen fun. that since the theater. Um, it's yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. It gets a lot of hate, but I think it's creative and fun. You know, I can understand if you're like a Green Hornet fan, you're probably frustrated with the Seth Roganing of it. But I always but, felt it reminded me of the TV show. That's why I liked it. I never saw the TV show, so I have nothing to compare it to. So just like as a standalone film, I was entertained. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think, think Christopher Waltz's choice to that running gag of like you don't think i'm scary you know so he does like way more horrible things than the other criminals uh to show off yeah it's uh yeah it's fun that's all i watched oh not that much i'm brad um so i started a new series called blueberried um where i have this habit of sometimes getting on sale blu-rays or even like popular blu-rays and i put them on my shelf and i forget to watch them um it's like sometimes I'll watch just the special features because I've seen the movie in theaters and I'm like, Oh, I'll come back and watch this movie. And then they just sit there and then it proves my wife's point that I buy movies that just sit on my shelf. So just like my family guy thing, I do stuff in spite of my wife um, <laughs> to prove her wrong. And uh, so I, I've been digging in. So I watched Batman year one, which is a DC animated film uh, off a four issue comic series written by Frank Miller um, I'm not, I've never been the biggest Frank Miller fan. I know everybody thinks he's the end-all be-all when it comes to writing Batman stories. I disagree. Um, I think constantly trying to uh, be dark actually isn't that interesting to me. Um, dark and fascist. That's why, that's why I think I really like uh, the Batman animated series where it still has dark elements to it, but it's um, the storytelling's more focused. Uh, you know, Frank Miller... So Batman Year One is telling you the story of when Batman first starts out, but it's really a Jim Gordon story. And I, I don't like that uh, in it, Jim Gordon cheats on his pregnant wife with a detective and it, it really like for the character. I think that's more egregious than when they had Batgirl sleep with Batman in the killing joke. Uh, Cause at least then, you know, Batgirl, uh, she's not really a girl. She's a woman. Um, it, that really Jim sleeping with another woman while his wife is pregnant when he's supposed to be this moral compass, Oddly enough, in the Gotham TV series, that's way prevalent. Is it? I think I'm sleeping just, around. So it's just garbage. Because to me, I, I, he's just a—he's he, the moral barometer of the wor- of the Batman world. You know, he's the guy who's going to be there and um, put he's the, the guy bad who does guys all the right things but can't cross the line, and that's why exactly. he needs Batman. Exactly. Um, and uh, and I don't like that Catwoman's a dominatrix. That just seems stupid. Um, I like her more as just a jewel thief and um, kind of an anti-hero. Uh, that being said, I actually enjoyed, there's a Catwoman 16 minute short on it and it's pretty fun. Um, but it, I mean, it's, it's an all right story. Um, again, I, I, there's just some elements of it I don't like. And um, for some reason, the animation is really bland in it. Like the backgrounds aren't very detailed and I know they're going for the style of the comic book, but I, I what's well, one of those first, I mean, they obviously had Batman the Animated Series, but as far as like the feature length, straight to video, 
Batman movies. That was one of the earliest ones. So yeah, and I, I get it. I mean, the yeah. new ones now are pretty impressive. I also watched Wonder Woman, which came out in 2009, and they released a commemorative edition with a um, live action movie. And that one is more of a straight telling of Wonder Woman's origin. Um, but it's I had way more fun watching it. Um, they uh, it, just because they they capture the essence of Wonder Woman being a total badass, and like the fights in it are really awesome. It's PG thirteen, but it, I mean they're pretty violent and they're pretty hardcore. Uh, Alfred Molina plays Ares in it, and he's really great. Um, it's just uh, Carrie Russell, right? And yeah, Carrie Russell is uh, Diana. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end, uh, I mean, Aries gets his head chopped off and um, I, I can't believe I can't remember who plays. Oh, Oliver Platt plays Hades and it's really good as Hades is like this fat, disgusting, like devil guy. Um, it's just a really cool uh, movie. Um, and Nathan Fillion as Steve Trevor is pretty great. Um, and it, it's funny because I'm watching it and he's really chauvinistic and he's, it's written like uh, he's like a 15 year old guy, he lands on the mascara and he finds all the Amazonians like bathing naked. And uh, he's acting like a male chauvinist pig. And then there's this great moment where they're flying in invisible jet. And he has this monologue where he breaks down. He says, you know, I'm just really insecure and I, I really like you. And, and he goes on for like two minutes and he realizes his foot's touching the lasso of truth. And it's great. Um, so that makes up for his uh, what perceived male chauvinism. Uh I also watched uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, which I have not seen 20 years. I don't know. Um, what, what what version of this is it? Because I know they just put it out again. Um, I don't know a person in another room. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the uh, Arrow version. Um, um, so uh, it's, I mean, it's a new 2K scan, I think. So the movie actually looks really great. Okay. Um, it's really silly. It has a lot of sexual innuendos and double entendres. Because um, Elvira. <laughs> yeah, because it's Elvira. And what I really appreciate, there's a great documentary on it. It's, it's about an hour and maybe it's two hours about the making of it. It also goes through Cassandra Peterson's career. And um, she's well aware of what she's doing. And I think that's part of the charm of that character is she knows that she's just an oversexed version of... Um, can't remember Vampire. her name. Vampira. Thank you. Um, and the movie's silly, and the the teenage boys in it will do anything for her. It's kind of funny, um, and they always they say things like Gonzagas and Bazumbas, and that stuff makes me laugh. Um, so uh, I was, I was talking to Zach about this throughout the week, but Kino Lorbor had a huge sell on their Blu-rays, where some of them were like six dollars. So I got eight Blu-rays from Kino Lorber for, I think, $54. Only like 54 or 55 Did you already get them? Yeah, I, I got them in like four days. Okay, because like I, I initially had a bunch I was going to get, but I ended up getting that box set instead. So Yeah, I, I, they shipped them fast. I, uh, Dang, I just uh, forgot I got something from Vinegar Syndrome that I didn't talk about. Yeah, we, we can hit you back up. Yeah, just remind um, me. Vinegar Syndrome yeah. is puts out crazy fucking movies um i i watched a uh, revenge of the ninja which is the prequel or previous entry before ninja 3 <laughs> which they and, just did on how this get made so i, I gotta watch ninja 3 uh yeah it's Sounds so amazing basically take ninja 3 but get rid of like the demon part of it and there's just this ninja guy who 
I don't know why it opens like this. It's a canon film, so I mean, you can't expect too much from it. Um, but it's this guy who's studying ninjas, and while he's talking to his American friend and away from his village, I don't know, um, a bunch of other ninjas show up and kill his family and uh, in really bloody ways, and there's a little kid that takes a ninja star to the forehead, and, and he rolls him over, and he pulls it out of the kid's head and throws it at a guy and kills him. Um, it's super violent. There's just random nudity. Um, it's one of those movies that's kind of bad, but kind of awesome at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at the end, there's this ninja fight on top of the skyscraper, and I won't tell you who the bad guy ninja is because that's a twist in the movie, guys. But anyways, he stabs the bad guy ninja and pulls his sword out, and it's like a fountain of blood for thirty seconds. Jesus, it's um, it's so over the top that it's pretty awesome. You know, it's one of those movies you have to know what you're watching when you go into too. You can't be, oh, this movie's going to be, you know, some cinematic classic. I mean, there's also like a little ninja kid who kicks people's asses, and then when the bad ninja shows up to steal something from the good ninja, his grandma starts whipping his ass. So there's like an ass kicking ninja grandma an ass kicking kid um, ninja. And then like the super hot assistant um, doesn't wear pants while she's in her kimono fighting. Uh, I think his name show is the good guy ninja. So you, I mean, it's just like shots of her butt constantly. It's if there is like, uh, if I had to pick, like the epitome of a canon film, it would definitely be Revenge of the Ninja. Because also the key art for it is like this ninja that has flames coming out of his hand or something. And he's like flying in the air over a cityscape. Um, and if you don't know what canon films is, make sure you watch the documentary, Electric Boogaloo, the history of canon films, because then you'll be like, how did these movies get made? And uh, yeah, Ninja 3 is a canon film as well, Brad. So yes. There's a lot of canon films of how did this get made? Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, if you are walking in buying that movie without knowing what canon is, that's your fault for making that blind buy. That's that's your your fault. There is plenty of evidence of what this company did. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's trippy. Um, so the thing with Kino Lorbor is they get they get a lot of really random classic films. I mean, classics uh, might be a stretch, but. Uh, early Hollywood films. Mm-hmm. And one is, uh, I'm a big fan of Irene Dunn. Irene Dunn is um, maybe the funniest golden age uh, actress. And she uh, she did a few movies with Cary Grant. And she uh, was in a movie called Stingaree, mm-hmm. which takes place in Australia. And Stingaree is a notorious Australian outlaw. And uh, Irene Dunn plays a woman named Hilda who dreams of becoming an opera singer. And if you know anything about Irene Dunn, um, Zach talked about Showboat is she is actually an incredible operatic singer. Um, yeah. She's a soprano yeah. and she's also very funny. And this is more of a dramedy dramedy. Like there's some funny parts in it. Um, but basically uh, she lives with her aunt and uncle after her parents died and they don't want her to be a singer. And the guy, the bandit named Stingaree is escaping from the police and shows up at her house and hears her sing. And he tells her how great of a voice she has. And he kind of pushes her to become a singer and uh kidnaps her but he only kidnaps her so she can um realize her dream of being a singer mm-hmm. and when she decides she's not going to do that he allows himself to get captured so she will go to london to become a singer and uh, it's actually kind of a cute movie um it's really it's 
I was doing some research on it, and I guess it was only shown once uh, since from 1950 until 2012 or nine or something like that when it came out on DVD because it's part of the MGM sale, and they never showed it again. And it was only shown once on TV, so it's kind of a lost Irene Dunn film. And she's great in it. Um, she's beautiful, and uh, I love her as an actress. Um, I watched the uh, yeah. Harley Quinn. Do you think I would like it? You know, I probably probably it's um it's short it's like 74 minutes um and yeah it's just about yeah i mean it's 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 a cute movie um it's not like really funny it's not really dramatic it's more of um someone trying to make it and the bad guy um pushes her to do it um yeah it's 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 a it's a good movie um i watched the harley quinn cartoon which is amazing if you haven't seen the harley quinn cartoon um, I don't have DC Universe, but I got the DVD. Um, it takes the Harley Quinn that's uh, from DC 52 or the new 52, where she's kind of on her own, um, has a little more attitude. Uh, but the the show is way over the top. There's tons of violence. There's tons of cussing. Um, it recasts some of um, the characters. Like I love, uh, there's an episode... Um, where uh, Poison Ivy's dating Kite Man and she doesn't want anybody to know that she's dating Kite Man. And it's really funny, but also really sad at the same time because Kite Man's just trying to make a good impression. And I mean, the jokes in it are sometimes juvenile when uh, Poison Ivy goes to Kite Man's apartment. He lives in apartment 66, but he purposely like takes the top part of one of the, the six down. So it says 69 mm-hmm. and uh, he tells her about it. Like it's funny. Um, it's just, it's just good stuff. Um, I, I strongly recommend the show. It's a lot of fun. Have you watched it, Brad? No, I haven't. I've waited up by the DVD. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fun. I recommend it for everybody. And the last thing I watched was a total piece of shit movie called 365 Days that my wife wanted me to watch. That's on Netflix, and I guess it's it it's billed as like the ultimate romance novel uh, movie. So it's basically Fifty Shades of Grey, but if you took Fifty Shades of Grey and put it in set in um, Italy with a Polish actress and an Italian actor and the stakes are really stupid. And um, he's like, so he's this mafia guy. And so the opening of the movie is he's on this rooftop with his dad and he's looking at binoculars and this, there's this lady like dancing on the beach and his dad gets shot and dies. So now he's the head of this mafia family. And then one day while he's driving through the airport, he sees that lady again. So he, this is how stupid this fucking movie is. He arranges her to have her kidnapped and it's called 365 days because she has to stay with him for a full year and he's not going to force himself on her, but she is going to fall in love with him. But he, but he's he kidnapped also, her. Yeah. He kidnapped her. Like he, but he won't force herself on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's stupid. And then it's, um, there's probably, I don't know, 20 scenes of her waking up. And he's sitting there or she's waking up realizing that she loves this guy. And you're like, you wait, you love a dude who kidnapped you and is forcing you to drive around or go around Europe with you. And it's like, oh, but look at all these cool things she's, he's buying for her. But then he'll grab her by the neck and he'll say, don't you fuck with me. And like, wow, that's really attractive. But I guess it's supposed to be sexy because there's nudity and sex in it. And then I asked my wife, I said, is this how romance novels are? And she said, romance novels have like the dude is really 
dominating and then the lady eventually succumbs to his whatever i don't know i don't watch a read them i hate watching the uh movies um you know there's no helicopter crash where the other dude randomly shows up alive Um, what's everybody doing here oh my god that scene yeah so it's (laughs) this is how bad this movie is it has a 3.6 rating on imdb just so you know jack frost which i love about a killer snowman its imdb rating is like 4.3 so that's how <laughs> shitty 365 days is. The, the killer snowman movie. <laughs> yes. What's Where our he... tomato score? Oh, well, I have no idea. I don't think Jack. Yeah. I don't think Jack Frost would have a uh, RT score. No, you're talking about 360, 365 days, right? I have no idea what the Rotten Tomato score is. I'm looking up. Um, but yeah, it's just garbage, and the dialogue is bad. The actors are bad because they're trying to. Sp- speak English half the time and English is a second language for him. I can't see. Oh, zero percent. That's what it should 30% be. 30% audience score. That's exactly what it should be. I mean, so, the leads are attractive. I guess if there's that. Ryan, yeah. is it, are the Fifty Shades movies masterpieces by comparison? By compar- uh, they're, they're more competently made. Okay, there we go. I mean, she ends up having sex with him and falling in love with him because she falls off the side of his yacht and he jumps in the water to save her. But Sounds like, like Stockholm Syndrome to me. Yeah, no, that's... It's, it's, so one of the uh, little blurbs on the Rotten Tomato from one of the critics is, a porn movie is more honest than this trash. That is apt. <laughs> and I, so my wife looked at my letterbox, and I gave it a one and a half stars. And she said, why'd you give it one and a half stars? I said, because there's boobs in it. And um, she said... It's at least a 5 out of 10. I said, it is not a 5 out of 10. It's garbage. She enjoyed See, it that much, huh? Yeah, it was... I. What, what did she like about it so much? I don't think she liked it a lot. She just... Well, she likes, to defend it at all, it seems... Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what she said because it's such bullshit that I don't like whatever. And I think she enjoys... She enjoyed it more because I watch so many films and there's moments in films that I get... Um, if they're really bad, I actually have audible sighs and really pronounced eye rolls because it's so stupid. And uh, yeah, no, it's bad because I so like to me, I love movies where it's Tomb Raider with like Alicia Vikander, where she's like totally badass and she doesn't need a fucking love interest in it. And then you see a movie like this, you know, like, what this chick is. So she's the lady and it's like super successful, extremely attractive. And the reason she leaves is because her boyfriend, who the worst thing he did is wear like cargo pants with a fanny pack. I mean, I guess he cheated on her too, but she didn't know that until (laughs) after being with that dude for like three months. And uh, so that's like the worst thing this guy did to him. I mean, this guy who she's falling in love with kidnapped her, forced her to like go to Europe with her. And it's it's stupid. Uh, I hate it when I get kidnapped and I get to like go hang out in Europe with rich people. I know. You know how it feels, Brad. It happened to you. Yeah. God, I don't um, think I watched this movie. Just get too many flashbacks. <laughs> Another Rotten Tomatoes review said, the movie pretty much cops every move made by Fifty Shades as if it were a Bible of anti-sexy awfulness. That is an- another app description because they also have, a, I was telling my wife, like a low-rent version of the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. You know where Fifty Shades has Beyonce and actual talented artists? 
this one is aping off of it, but not as it's horrible. Um, but if you want to see boobs, I mean, you have to wait an hour before you see them, but you know, they're there and the movie's two hours long. Jesus, Peter wow. Christ, get over it. How long <laughs> is 50 crazy. shades? Yep. At least, long- you know, 50 shades of gray has, um, him dying in a plane, a helicopter crash. and then not, but how long are those movies? Two hours? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I it's like the twilight movies. I'll never get that back. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, if it doesn't have a scene of a guy who takes a picture of a photograph, prints out that photograph, and then sets it on fire with a cigarette, it's not a good movie. Oh, that did happen in Fifty Shades <laughs> yeah, of Grey. because it's the dumbest thing in that stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... And, you know, like, my wife sits through movies that I watch. I didn't mention Godzilla, but, you know, I watched Godzilla. So, you know, I said, you know what? She picked this movie. She likes these trashy romance bullshit. I'll, I'll watch it instead of watching Terrifier or, you know, Godzilla or something. And then I, the whole time she's, you know, sitting next to me and like puts her head on my shoulder. So I can't reach my phone and it's torture. I can't like read articles. It's awful. Brad, what'd you watch from Vinegar Syndrome? Uh, the movie Rad uh, oh, came that's out, right. got released on a really cool uh, Blu-ray. It's, it's, it's in it's remastered in 4K. So just wow. remember when we still can't get Super Mario Brothers or Last Action Hero. <laughs> um, well, that even seems like Blu-ray. kind of an unusual movie for Vinegar Syndrome to release. I mean, not like Vinegar Syndrome. I like guess it's a, a cult more, movie. More of a, yeah, like a harder, yeah, shout factory. Like they well, do. I mean, they released Jack Frost. So, I mean, kind of the same. Yeah. But I think they're, you know, they're trying to branch out to more mainstream stuff because, you know, that'll prop up. Well, I know that business. sold out on Amazon. Rad did? Yeah, like they had to, uh, the initial shipment, I was reading an article where they had to tell people if you didn't pre-order it early enough, you had to wait for the next shipment. And it was yeah. like two weeks away. I know they had two editions and there's like, you know, the special one and then the regular one. So so it had Rad and then Radical. Oh, <laughs> no, I just had like different, like my box, like one side is a lenticular cover and then the other mm-hmm. side is like a holographic thing. Oh, cool. And that's got the inverted inserts and stuff. And, well, no, um, like the, the DVD cover art's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the poster art. But I just remember being like, you know, our friend John from John of All Trades, um, he's been on the show before. That's his, like, favorite movie. So, uh, like, uh, like, I think almost exactly 10 years ago, I had to find, like, a bootleg DVD of it on eBay um, <laughs> to get him. And it had, like, the watermark because someone just ripped it off of the HD network. <laughs> Um, and put it on a on a DVD, um, and then yeah, ten years later, here we have like this professional remastered version, and yeah, it's just a movie about uh, Crew Jones is like one of the local BMX. I love kids. his name. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's uh, a BMX circuit, like a big competition coming to town, and they're they're setting up Hell Track, and you know they they have an opening for a, the next BMX star, and so he applies for it, and there's like a rivalry with you know, the, the class bully and all that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's a traditional, um, you know, kind of high school, eighties, high school plot, but with BMX and, uh, like a lot of crazy stunts, the movie opens with, uh, like three of them are just delivering newspapers and <laughs> it's like everyone in town, like must go through the same routine every day. Cause they're always waiting in a, like a weird position to 
await the newspaper. There's even a like the trash guy <laughs> is just sitting outside his trash truck because it's next to a fence. And I guess his job at every like 8 a.m. every morning is to stop his his rounds and get ready so that the crew Jones can jump on the the trash lift and get like get over the fence to continue his route. And then the trash guy just goes on it with his day. Um, yeah, you didn't do that. Yeah, and like some people would just walk out of their store and like look around the street and then you know do that. Hey, <laughs> it's crew. Um, and then just, <laughs> it almost seems like they're going to do something else, but then they just go right back into the store. So it, you know, it's just so contrived, uh, but it's fun. Um, and like the, it makes me nostalgic for like like small towns that didn't have so much like oversight of parks and things because all the kids just set up these huge like mattress for like BMX tracks in the park. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So and I. We also forgot to mention in, in the news because uh, you were talking about Frank Miller being, I guess, some people's go-to for Batman stories, but I guess they just neglected, you know, all the writers from the like mm. regular series that did it for six or seven issues, and a bunch of those was Denny O'Neill. That's right, who died over the week. So he's in a um, lot of the uh, bonus features I watched this week. Yeah, and he's uh, famously responsible for creating a uh, Ra's Al Ghul or Ra's Al Ghul yeah. uh, as. He uh, confessed that's actually how it's pronounced. So no one did something wrong for once. You know, I, I learned it was pronounced that way when I was listening to Kevin Conroy in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Uh, in Arkham Asylum, he says Ray Shagul. Uh, yeah. That's how it was in the animated series long before the Nolan movies even came out. So I don't know who on that set decided to change it. But uh, yeah, Denny O'Neill, um, huge contributor to the Batman legacy, has died. Um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we watched Just Mercy. Zach, should people see Just Mercy? Yes, I think you should, especially since um, Warner Brothers and Amazon are providing it for free. Um, the movie is very, very powerful. Um, I, I really believe that it, it, a lot of the, the big impact of it is carried by the performance of this film. There's like, there's not a bad performance in this movie that I can find. Um, and the fact that Michael B. Jordan has been constantly neglected by awards branches is still one of the biggest crimes we've had in terms of cinema's <laughs> neglect to reach out their nomination scope. Um, cause he's amazing in this film. And I actually think, and Jamie Foxx is wonderful too. And I'll say this might be Tim Blake Nelson's best performance. Like, like one of the most standout performances he's ever given that isn't Coen brothers related. Um, and, Cause he's amazing in it. Um, yeah. Everybody knocks it out of the park with this movie. I, and it's well directed too. I think you should check it out. It's for free on Amazon. And um, I think it's, it, it's worth your time. Corinne. I agree. It's a great movie. There's honestly no reason not to watch it. Um, I mean, it, the subject matter is, you know, very much on the heavier more depressing side, but I think that's all the more reason to watch it now, especially with everything that's going on. And uh, there is, there was a sequence sequence in the middle um, where I just broke down. It was just, it was very moving. We'll talk about it more after spoilers, but um, I agree with Zach. I think Michael B. Jordan was fantastic in the movie. And I think it's, uh, I think it's terrible that, uh, Jamie Foxx didn't get nominated for a supporting Oscar for this. Yep. I thought he was amazing in the movie. 
Um, just, I, I honestly, I think this movie was overlooked and I'm glad it's getting some traction now. Um, wish it were under better circumstances, obviously, but um, it's kind of interesting to see that this, the same conversation is the one that we've been having for, you know, 30 years, 40 years or how, you know, the events were late eighties, early nineties or something. Yeah. So it's like, this has been a problem with the system for a long time. And it's all the more reason to watch something like this now. Mm-hmm. Brad, Keep the conversation going. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's free. So there's really not much of an excuse to watch other than time. Um, I, I talked about it months ago when I saw it in the theater um, as part of my normal routine. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I admitted like, you know, there, there's, I didn't fully enjoy it because there's always going to be that disconnect. And then um, because it's based on a book and, and memoirs, I felt like, especially the scene where he, he takes the fight to television I'm just like, why didn't he use this avenue for other people? So I think it, in, in order to like compress time, it kind of makes some editing jumps that I think do us some disservice. But otherwise, I think it's worth a watch. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. Um, there's uh, it, It's hard to talk about the, the injustices that take place and um, in, in doing what I do for a living it's always really disheartening to see people in that position take advantage of people that can't fight back and of people that don't have an option when they're placed in that situation. Um, They go over it several times in the film that we've had lawyers and they didn't care. Um, And we have a system in America where you're, innocent until proven guilty. And even in my profession, I think that's a, a, a big, a big thing because my, my, when I get sworn in, I, pr- I promise to protect the people in um, property of my city, but I also promise to uphold the constitution. And I, I'm a firm believer of the constitution as the greatest living document in the world. And I think that when people are not allowed to, are being held back and not giving equal treatment is really sad. And uh, yeah, buddy. And uh, so because of uh, what I do for a living and the events that have happened, it's, um, it's really hard because I know that uh, I'm going to get philosophical here for a second. I I know for a fact, I'm a good person. Yep. And, um, and I, I work with really great people and, we don't conduct ourselves that way. And it's really sad when you see other people in our profession that do conduct themselves that way. Um, I've never personally seen it. Um, but when you see something that's on TV nonstop for two weeks, um, everybody's seen it. And everybody has to do a better job of recognizing what's happening in the world and be better people. And um, yeah. It's just, uh, it's not a fun thing to be right now um, because everybody does not like you. And it's hard because we are put in a position of trust and it's our job to make sure everybody feels equal and gets uh, treated fairly. 
And when someone um, in our profession, because we have so much power, abuses it and decides not to be a human and treat someone who less than they need to be treated is um, it really sucks. And now it's up to the people that are still in this profession to uh, be better at it. Yep. And you should start by streaming just mercy and see uh, uh, a story of, a, of uh, what happens. Uh, here's a trailer for just mercy. Tell me everything that happened. first time I visited death row I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me from a neighborhood just like ours could have been me mama but what you're doing is gonna make a lot of people upset you always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most your life is still meaningful and I'm gonna do everything possible to keep them from taking it you don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born God Mr. McMillan we done here Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you gonna fight for me. I did. It mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're going to be making a lot of people very unhappy. When people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. It's my dad. He do nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely. We can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. Amen. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. Uh, Just Mercy tells the uh, true story of Brian Stevenson, who is a equal justice crusader. And it's not... Um, he just doesn't do it for black people. He has a, uh, he doesn't like the death penalty. Um, he's a crusader for the death penalty. So he's a young hotshot lawyer coming from Harvard who decides to go to Alabama um, to help uh, get people off. I don't know if he's a hotshot lawyer. Well, I mean, kind of. He's a little overconfident like a, in the beginning. Yeah, like he's overconfident. Like he can, it's going to be easy for him to make a change. And Is then he, he realizes how deep it goes. And, um, and then he, uh, meets six inmates at a institution in Alabama and one, uh, Walter McMillan, uh, he sees a lot of discrepancies in his case and he kind of delves into that. And, um, also the, uh, you, you know, the, I think maybe one of the biggest heartbreaking stories in this is the Hubert guy, uh, yeah, yeah. because it's, <laughs> 
it's tackling the issue of mental health and um, someone who's suffered in uh, Vietnam. And I, I don't even know the actor's name. I can't remember it, but he, when he talks about, um, you know, I don't know why I put that bomb on the porch, you know, and it's, he knows he did it and he knows he did wrong, but he doesn't comprehend the severity of what he did. It, it's, it's a really heartbreaking performance. And, um, you know, that's the moment in the movie that got me. Rob Morgan is the yeah, guy. Rob, the yeah. Rob Morgan from um, Mudbound. And um, he does a lot. He plays Turk Barrett on the Marvel Netflix stuff. Okay. He's also been in Stranger yeah. Things, apparently. Yeah. Great actor. Yeah. Wonderful actor. Yeah. Uh, that, the whole sequence where they executed him was just heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's interesting when we have films like the Green Mile that tackle death row in a way that has basically permeated for the last 20 years as our, as a base knowledge for it, for this generation, this movie's PG 13. And what I found interesting about that particular sequence as heart, while it's, as it's heartbreaking, it's also very, um, it's not showing much. And I think the fact that it is mainly when he's, when he is being electrocuted, it's the the shot is focused on Michael B. Jordan experiencing the horror of it. And so you're getting two very horrifying feelings at once. One of the injustice of him being electrocuted and also Michael B. Jordan realizing like it's, it's, it's kind of like the ultimate reach point of like how far this actually goes in terms of an injustice. And yeah, uh, I, I agree like that choice to because like like I said like that whole build up to the execution itself and you know like the song and where he's sitting in the chair and he can hear the inmates above him like hitting their things on the bars and yelling out like we love you Herbert we love you and yeah um I was like you know thinking to myself like please don't show it please don't show him dying and I think that the choice that they made was probably the best one that they could have done where it's like, you see it, but you don't really see it. Like you see the reflection um, in the glass, but you don't have to see him suffer. And it's but you see the reaction to it. Yeah. And it's, you get the idea, like the, the, the full force of it is still there, but you don't have to see it yourself. When yeah. I, I think that that was a good choice. It hit, it hit emotionally for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, and that's a trick that I I thought about this as I, after the movie was over, you know, Warner brothers has not, um, is not new to this subject as a, when in its history as a studio, as far back as the early thirties, they were tackling injustices in the criminal system. Um, whether it was, I'm a fugitive from a chain gang or even talking about like, you know, the elect, uh, the death row, um, uh, situation within films like Angels of Dirty Faces, where you have execution scenes that are brutal, but they don't show much, and just like how much like those older techniques of not showing much still not only um, uh, uh, trying to get the impact across while also not glorifying in the in the uh, horror of the act itself, um, because I think it says a lot more to show 
his reaction than to show anything else that you could have shown. Cause you only see him jolt for a second. Um, and yeah, I agree with you, Corinne, that Jamie Foxx, I think this is the best I've seen him in a movie in a long, long time. Um, and that's not to say I haven't enjoyed him in other things, but this is, this is going back to when he was in stuff like his early back. I mean, I, I mean, Ray is the obvious comparison, but he is just, he is just deeply immersed in this role in a way that I haven't seen out of him for a long ass time. And I really liked him in it. Yeah, yeah. Like initially, like I, you know, like when they first introduced his character, I was like, Oh yeah, that's the guy that Jamie Fox plays. And then over the course of the movie, I just, I, he, he totally got lost in the role for me. He, he's, I, got, I stopped seeing Jamie Foxx and I started seeing Johnny D. When, when he, um, when he, when his um, retrial request is denied and he gets put back in, it's not when he's being shoved back into the cell. It's when he gets the photographs and he turns over the photograph and says, and it, it written on it is, this is you, um, written, uh, signed Minnie, and he just starts breaking down. It was, it was absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, you know, can people hear me again? I don't know what the hell happened to my computer there. Oh, um, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, my favorite Jamie Foxx moment is actually nothing he said. There's a reaction um, when he gets um his sentence gets overturned and um he just sits there uh silently for a second and trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. like you know he doesn't really believe what just happened and he has just this uh emotion on his body on his face that i think um is just incredible yeah he he well and that's also the same scene where his son uh speaks out in court um and it's and it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of pain within that uh th- within that moment that is just it's easy to call this like easy drama or whatnot but the truth is is that this is like because of not just our knowledge of this continuing to happen even 31 years later this is still like this is still a powerful moment between two powerful actors and and Michael B Jordan included all reacting to a situation and it's it's, it's very powerful i love the scene where he was talking herbert down right before you know like the night before his execution and he's like telling him you know take deep breaths and he's like you know think of you know the pine trees and it cuts to that shot from the beginning where he was looking up at the pine trees Mm -hmm. and you just get the sense of like everything that's been taken away from him just this basic sense of freedom that he can't he can't work anymore but he also doesn't get to just be outside and just be a person staring up at the wonder of nature he's an animal in a cell block basically yeah yeah and um i want to i want to bring up tim blake nelson for a second because the there's there's obviously the angle on it that this like this system has impacted everybody Obviously, it's targeted to a very specific group of uh, the group of African Americans. But you do watch Tim Blake Nelson in the not the first scene he's in, but the second scene where he describes why he's got the scars on his face, and you kind of realize that this it's a, there's a huge injustice system all across the board that has mistreated people based on the pr- privilege of class as well and tossing people aside period 
And I've never seen Tim Blake Nelson do the things he does in that moment. Um, now, granted, my scope on Tim Blake Nelson is care for some gopher from Oh Brother Art Thou and Ballad of Buster Scruggs and uh, Hulk from 20, uh, 2008. But he's just, he's a powerhouse in this film too that I think was also ignored as well. Um, and, uh, and, Brie, and Brie Larson also, like she's not in it that much, but she's giving her scene after uh, they check on the bomb threat on her house and she's sitting on the porch and she's, she said something that moved me to tears, which was like, I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to show my, my kids that I gave up just because of some, some of moron bigot and then just takes a drag out of her cigarette. And I was just, I was very, I was feeling very moved in that moment. Like this, this film hits that punch a bunch. So. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, like Brad, did you, did what, how did you feel watching it another, a second time after um, seeing it the first time in theaters? I didn't get around to watching it a second time. So I'm, I'm just trying to remember as you're uh, talking what I saw. Okay, for um, sure. Yeah, uh, no, it's 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 a it's a fine film. Um, like I said, I you know you're talking about uh, Herbert. Um, I'm just obviously they probably condensed situations from the book for time, but I'm just wondering if there was like, did he go to the lengths um, for Jamie Fox or for Herbert that he went through for Jamie Fox? You know, like the whole getting on national television to make the case. I was just like, where was that for Herbert? Well, I mean, I think it might be harder for that him too because I mean he did kill someone, and so he's not wrongly convicted. He just doesn't believe in the death penalty in that case mm-hmm. uh, because of Herbert's mental capacity and the fact that they ignored that he might be suffering from PTSD. Yeah, I so still, I mean, I try to get think... to stay on the execution and then go from there because Herbert was pretty deep into his death row. Um, yeah, sentence. Yeah. yeah, I just, uh, you know, he he did kill someone, so obviously he needs punishment. But yeah, death, death row, when he clearly has mental issues, um, that 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 part should have been commuted or something. But yeah, yeah, and, I, I don't know how the system works that deeply, so I can't say. But it was tragic for sure. Well, yeah, just hearing that he was the only one out of his platoon that survived, it's like that was the fate. Like he survive vietnam just to get electrocuted on death row what a terrible fate i know you know he killed a person and that's terrible but you know it's hard reconciling the two i mean um you don't want to see someone suffer but at the same time i mean if that was your daughter or your mom or something who got a bomb sent to him i mean i don't know it's 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 a tough i don't know how where you draw the line on the two you know what i mean yeah Um, it, because you have underlining mental health issues, which is another issue in this country where people just try to tend to ignore it and hope that um, it doesn't affect them. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I mean, how do you hold someone accountable for planting a bomb and killing someone? I don't know. I don't know the answer to it um, because you have people yeah. like uh, Timothy McVeigh, who when he killed 167 people said, well, whatever, it's 167 to one. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't know where you draw the line. I don't know. Well, in cases like that, I think it would be more appropriate to focus on like rehabilitation and mental health services and less so on corporal punishment, capital, you know, 
yeah. death penalty. You know, life for life is not is not a good justice system, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but then you're going to always have the argument: what? Why do we keep these people around and pay tons of money through taxes? To um, it's more expensive to execute them, actually. Well, I mean, not if they live another fifty years. I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, I don't know the answer, and it's yeah. And I, well, I think one of the one of the powerful things about this movie being available at this moment um, is is going off of the fact of taking the time to learn and listen in a way that you know, like I, I watched this not too long after, like I watched this today, and a couple of days prior, I rewatched Do the Right Thing, and which was made in the late '80s, at the same time that this film takes place, um, and. The thing that one of the things that I took away from is, is that, you know, whether it's something as audacious as what Do the Right Thing was or as earnest and uh, upfront as this movie is, there have been people communicating that this has been an issue for far too long. And, you know, it's one thing to say you've listened, it's another thing to say you understand it. And what this movie did was, one, it compelled me to. Um, read the book by Brian Stevenson after I finish the fire next time. But um, it also compelled me to do more research into the national defense, uh, national defense league um, and the NAACP's mission in that, which is part of um, a thing that people can do to help set up regular donations for that, which I I think is a big prime motivation for them re-releasing this film on top of the corporate motive, which can look obvious on the surface. But um, I will say that, it was nice to have these educational tools available over the past week to immerse myself and to really start thinking deep and hard. Um, and the fact that Warner brothers as you know, obviously a corporation putting out a movie for free, you know, that there's a motive behind that, but this studio has had a history of tackling issues that no one else will um, throughout its history, whether it was injustices um, the the terror that was the Ku Klux Klan, which they addressed in a movie called Black Legion from 1936, or tackling the Nazi menace when no one else dared do it um, with Confessions of a Nazi Spy. Um, so it was very weird to see that all these years later, that studio is still putting out these movies, regardless of how hard it is to make something like this as opposed to a superhero movie. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I, I, if you haven't watched it yet, listening audience, please, it's for free. Do it. Yeah. Yep. Start Sorry, the conversation. You start the conversation because I don't have all the answers. I don't think anybody does. And yeah. you have to be able to hear all sides and be able to inform yourself and, yeah. Make sure that you know what's happening in our country and around the world and what can we do to be better people. And I think that's um, when you see someone like Brian Stevenson and what he's done, you go, oh, wow, that's someone who's dedicated his life to helping the less fortunate or maybe people that have been overlooked. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I think that's where the conversation needs to just be better people, I think, is a big thing going forward. As a society. Yep. And the good news is that these tools are also like they're, they're different um, collections across the streaming services that provide different documentaries. If, if books are not your thing, there are films out there that can educate you on these. 
whether narrative or documentary. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you should really watch the Paul Robinson documentary because that was a guy who was blacklisted because he was allegedly a communist. And so he lost his whole career because of it. But instead of holding him down, he decided that he was still going to tour and sing Old Man River and change the lyrics continuously throughout his life to reflect what was happening in the world. And uh, it's, you wish it didn't happen, but we can go forward and educate ourselves that it has. And And that short is available on the Criterion channel for streaming. It's not just a special feature only on the Showboat Blu-ray. So it is available to do that. Um, And also, you know, those things that are available on that channel also have contextual history lessons for you. You can learn about how media portrays this all throughout the decades and to, to, to not take away from the art of the past, but to understand it so that going forward, things can, can improve. Um, And yes, as Ryan said, you know, we've got a, we've got a lot of learning to do. It's interesting you brought up the thing about the art of the past, and that reminded me that the movie kind of calls out To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just this uh, idea of, I don't know, like white complacency of like, oh, yeah, we just like don't, you know, we just give a black guy a fair trial and bing, bang, boom, like we're immediately not racist or something really used to kill a mockingbird as like a point of pride. And it's, and it's an eye roll because you're like, no, you, you're doing it because you exploit that piece of literature for your own benefit to cover up what you're actually doing. And that's what's, I found that a very, very fascinating element of the film too. Like it doesn't get a lot of prominence, but like it's, it's all over that first scene um, with the, uh, is it the district attorney of that County or, Mm-hmm. Or, I can't remember his title, but um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. Actually, I've got to kill a mockingbird on the shelf. I, I want to pick that up and rewatch that. Not, not necessarily for education, but just to watch like how, how would people in 1987 in this story, just mercy be reacting to a story like that? Because it, it I just, it fascinated me throughout the rest of the movie, <laughs> but yeah. Well, if anything, I think it just showed how little the system has actually changed despite yeah. all these, you know, so-called like leaps and bounds and, you know, like, oh, you civil rights movement and everything. It's like not that much has changed. I yeah. mean, now, you know, in this instance, a black man still like he got a trial, but his attorney was terrible and the jury convicted on basically nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that this film, above all else, is audacious enough to call out narratives of the past couple of years that uh, were bandied about, whether it is a green book or if it's um, anything that's had that white savior complex. And it's, it's very, very fascinating that this film got overlooked. I was re-listening to critics' reviews of it leading up to the Oscars and they were doubtful of its chances and re and watching it for the first time. I was like, I think you guys underestimated this fucking movie, like oh, huge underestimation. Um, not, not necessarily for awards contention, but just like, why were people not going and th- me, me included, I didn't even bother to go and I should have. So, uh, you know, that's, 
Did it get any nominations? I don't remember it getting anything. Um, completely mm-hmm. snubbed. And, and you know, th- this, this past Oscar year had a lot of triumphs, but also, you know, downwards um, in terms of its nominations and who it shut out across the board. Um, and I, I think that this is a film that, uh, this is a film that I think got labeled as maybe too um, milk toast, but watching it, it is far from that. Like that was my impression from the trailer. And I will, I, I the, the trailer does not do justice, I think to the, the impact of that story. And also the, the sense of the, the, the darkness of that trailer is like, it is a, it is a bleak movie for how inspiring it is at the end. It is a very bleak movie that very little does it relent from that. Um, which I thought was very, very audacious um, given Warner Brothers release record over the past couple of years, like to put something out like this was, I thought very, very uh, uh, interesting choice. And I, I hope they do more choices like that. And as I said before, and I'll say again, Michael B. Jordan, where's your Oscar? I'll give it to you. I'll make one for you. I'll, I'll make it out of chocolate or, you know, like nerds candy or whatever, like, and it can be fun for all of us, but he would need an Oscar. God damn it. Um, yeah. Uh, next week on Real Nerds, I don't know what we're going to watch. We'll figure something out. Um, yep. I- I don't know. Should we do a 2010 film, possibly? Maybe. We did the 2010 film last week. Oh, maybe we should do a 2000s film. Yeah, I guess we haven't tackled 2000s yet. Color of Friendship. (laughs) Keep it going. What? I said The Color of Friendship. I'll finally crack open Disney. Keep the conversation going. It's a conversation that should keep going regardless of what we review for our main film. Oh, true, but... Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> of course. We always will. Uh, good right. seeing you guys. Good hearing you. I never know where to look on this. Like I, you know, like, cause Corinne and Zach are down low. Brad's up top. So I'm always constantly moving my eyes and I feel like I'm lying constantly. <laughs> like I'm being interrogated, but I don't know who to talk to. Ryan, you know what you look like? You look like you're, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what you look like? You look like you're solving equations in a beautiful mind. No, I'm just doing that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'll, I'll take Ron Howard directing my life. Um, <laughs> and then Ryan ate a thing full of candy beans. <laughs> it was um, a nested development. <laughs> until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.